This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you. We're going to jump in uh, right into the topic. Before we do that, I just want to encourage everybody to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can access all of our resources there. A lot of exciting things happening within the ministries. Many of you have heard of my transition that I'll be making to full-time with Practical Shepherding in January. So thanks for your prayers as I'm moving in that transition. One of the ways you can help us is go to the donate page and leave a donation there to help to support the ministry as we're trying to evaluate what kind of resources and funds we have as we go into next year with a lot of big plans of things that opportunities that we have. So if you've ever been helped by the podcast or anything in our ministry, uh, that'd be a, a, a very big help to go to the donate page and leave a donation there. Jim, we're going to jump right into topic, which is a, an important one. I get asked this a lot, and this was some somebody wrote in through uh, either Twitter or Facebook to us about this particular topic. How does a pastor minister to people in his church that are in different seasons of life than they're in or have experienced? And I think the most common of this, I mean, this can go a lot of different ways, mm. but the most common of this is a young pastor takes his first church, and he's maybe got, he's like married two years, his, his wife, they either have no children or maybe... You know, his wife's pregnant with their first child, or maybe you know they have toddlers. Like they're just beginning parenting, and all of a sudden they're they're in this position to try to pastor people who've been married twenty, thirty years and have marital problems that that do, that fall into those categories. They have teenage or grown children that don't follow the Lord and and don't and parents don't know have any idea what to do about that. And and this young pastor just has no idea how to handle that, or how does he have anything to offer? Let's start with the New Testament. Does does anything in New Testament point that a young pastor might have something to offer someone who's maybe older or in a different season of them? And that's what we want to talk about. So biblically, Jim, is there anything that addresses this? Yes, I think there's, there's quite clearly. Uh, and I, I think one is kind of a foundational one, and then one is very specific. So foundationally, you have pastors like Titus 2, which reminds the pastor there that he's going to need to instruct people how to interact with one another. So uh, older women are exhorted to teach younger women certain things, but, but that they're, but what they're to do is, is being taught to them uh, by by the Holy Spirit through Paul to Titus. Who's a young Titus is right. Is going to help older women to understand their responsibility to younger women and something of the parameters of that teaching. Yeah, that's helpful. And then also to talk to older men about their relationship with younger, younger men. And then he, and then he addresses himself in that. So I think that's a foundational thing is that in a, in a church, I don't know. I want to use the word a healthy church and a normative church. I might want to say, it's multi-generational, and one of the problems with churches today is that they have followed a model that will either make them old-friendly, which is becoming increasingly rare, yeah. or youth-friendly, which kind of became all the rage some years ago. Right. So you didn't almost didn't have to worry about it because the oldest guy in the church was 35 years old, mm-hmm. and you, you constructed a, a kind of church and, and a worship and an environment that told old people either get with the program or go. Uh, we are, this isn't grandpa's church, you know, that became like, this isn't your grandfather's old mobile, you know, we're not your grandfather's church. We don't, we don't sing like that anymore. We don't dress like that anymore. And it really pushed it out so that for 
there's probably almost a whole generation of pastors didn't have to deal with this. So, but they should have. And, and I think that what they did was wrong and unbiblical, but, uh, unwise the, but the, the specific text, Brian is no doubt what you're thinking. I was first Timothy four. By the way, before you go there, I just want to say, I'll, I'll say it, what you were gentle and kind to say. I do think it is a mark of a healthy biblical church to have multiple generations in the church. Yes. That w- that is it that is a uh not a a wise and helpful way to build a church to try to build a church of everybody just like you. I don't care if they're I don't care if they're 30 and vibrant and all those kinds of things. I think right. a multi-generational yeah, right, church right. is a part of God's design, it's part of the health of a church. I, I I couldn't agree more. So Paul says to Timothy having given a whole realm of a host of different exhortations but yeah. he does tell him he says let no one despise you for your youth. Hmm. This is first Timothy 4:12. Now let no one look down on you because you're young. Let no one disregard you merely on the basis of your youth. Right. He he says that because obviously that that happens. Uh you Okay, Sonny Boy, you know, sit down, Sonny Boy. You know, you don't, you, you've yeah. got nothing to say. He's a kid. What does he know? And and what Paul then goes on to say is, and I'm reading this out of the, the ESV, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And then I don't know that this is unrelated. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have. And, and so he tells him that your ability to minister to older people, when he says, let no one despise you, he doesn't, he doesn't mean go to the older people and say, stop despising me. It's wrong for you, you to look down upon work? me. You mean that won't it's work? It's wrong. It's unbiblical for you. You <laughs> need to stop despising me. He says, no, act in such a way, live in such a way, and minister in such a way that you will gain the the ear and the affection of those who are, are God's people. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to, yeah, they're going to tend to think, listen, you stand up there. You got to be careful. So you, you don't do stuff like, be very. You are far more likely to pontificate in your youth than than when you're older. This is true. Yeah, and the old the old line is true. Newlyweds or single guys are the best husbands. Parentless couples are the best parent. I mean, yeah. tr- childless childless couples are the best parents. They're the wisest parents. They have that imaginary child that they never let do that. And when our kids that age, they're yeah. always going to. And some of that arrogance of youth can come through in, in your ministry and you're telling older people, you've never had their aches and pains. You've never had their life experience. And you're like, I don't understand why you're not out there. Suck doing it up, this. old man. Come on. Yeah, suck it up, old man. And you know, well, okay, kid. All right. But listen, love them, show integrity, show love and service and faith, and, and do your job. Read and preach the word. Instruct. Tell what the Bible really says. Just say what it says. Don't don't you know? Open it up. And, and in that means, through that means, Paul seems to indicate you're you're going to. Uh, eliminate a lot of that barrier. So before we get into some of those specific details, I do appreciate you bringing up the first Timothy passage because um, that passage is typically quoted to the teen in the church 
He says, see, so you actually have something to offer. Right. And he's like, wait a second. I mean, that's not a bad application necessarily. But this is Paul writing to Timothy. I mean, right. the, a young pastor who he's passing the work on to. And he's saying, don't let anybody look down on you for your youth, but be an example to the flock in, the, in these ways. And he, and he describes that. So I think that what's helpful about that is it shows that this isn't about you have something to offer. This is, this is part of your calling. Like you're, you being in a different season than other people you pastor is kind of the point. Because you want different people in your church. You don't want, if you're 30 and white, you don't want your church just full of 30-year-olds with little kids who are white. Yeah. Like that, that's, that defeats the purpose of the design of God that is reflected, I think, in Titus 2. So the, the point of this is, is to, first of all... Can I pause there and just say, if that's what God gives you, I mean, then, then you can't feel guilty about that. Don't, don't, don't put a guilt... That's but, right. But, but don't strive after that is what we're saying is that your, your birds of a feather flock together. Well, our feather is to be... Certainly. ...is spiritual right. and doctrinal and, and affectionate. So that's... Sorry. Thanks, for the, make, clear, thanks because, for the clarification. Because there are, there are guys who are made to feel guilty. Well, if your church doesn't have this... Totally. Open, and it's like, well, we're not trying to do that. I mean, we're, we're open. And we So just want to be careful. Yeah, that and that's a good somebody thing for the clarification. If, especially if you're pastoring a church and, and 95% of your county's white, Having a multi-ethnic church is going to be a challenge uh, in your church. <laughs> and I talk possible. to guys like that all the time. So you're, you're exactly right. So just want to my, be careful. That that my point with saying that in, in, in a critical way is those who are specifically seeking. Exactly right. I can, I'm going to pastor. And I've heard this argument before. They're trying to plant a church and have everybody look like them and be their age in the same right. season of life. Because they think, well, because i got to pastor people who are in the same season of life from it. God's design is that a pastor's in his season whatever that is. And he's got people in his church that are in all kinds of different seasons. So my first point with this is embrace the different seasons. The essence of this question we got is a really good one and a wise one. How do I minister to people who aren't in the same season as me? But before we dig into that, I want to acknowledge, embrace the fact that you have people who have gone through things you haven't, and that there is a way to pastor them well, to win their trust, to be a shepherd to them, even though you may not know what it's like to be in their shoes in that way. So I want to acknowledge that first, because a lot of pastors feel very inadequate and insecure. Right. It's really the nature of the question. If I haven't been where this person is in this season of life or that suffering, I don't have anything to offer them. That's just not true. It's right. And what you have to offer them is is the Word. And, and, That's right. And your love and your care That's right. for them and entering into life with them because... Most of the Bible, most of the exhortations and encouragements in the Bible are not rooted to a specific time of life or to a particular gender or marital status. Or suffering that you've endured. Right. And, 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 but, so that's one thing. But, Brian, I think you can also try to publicly acknowledge, and you have to be careful with this. I don't want to sound like you're shirking responsibility or whining, but you can say at times, now listen— uh, so here's the next section. I'm preaching through Ephesians, and it's going to talk to. It's going to say, "Fathers, be this way." I only have one child, and they're two. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't believe that. You know, now, the man who wrote this didn't have any children, right? And therefore, I believe that I can study the Bible and study wisdom of others and present this. Now, am I going to preach this probably differently 15, 20 years from now than I do now? 
Are there those here who have far greater experience in this than I do? You do, but the word is the word, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm hopeful I'm going to share some things that are very helpful and practical. I think you can you can acknowledge that, That's right. or you could even, in certain cases, I had the benefit early on when I so I had a newborn that my daughter was born four days before our church constituted my <laughs> oldest child. So, but I had a fellow elder who yeah. had teenagers. Yeah. And then two two toddlers. Uh, the so he, there was a space between them. But he, but they had the two had two teenage girls, two toddler boys, and so some of that kind of material. I just said, you know, why don't you take this? Yeah. Why don't you take this sure. passage? Or why don't? It's not that I I don't feel like I couldn't exegete it, but it was a recognition that you're you're not only you can do more that more with this and maybe will be heard more easily and readily than I at this time. Yeah, and, that, and that's, this time. that's the place to start. You're right. We, we all have the word and not just that, but to understand what role the word is to play in a pastor's ministry. The word is the authority that you bring to the church, right. not your age, not it's your not experience, not your age or experience. Right. And that's a really important point to uh, to to realize in this is that the word is its own authority, and it's the only authority you have, not your salary, not your your title, and so it's not your season, it's not your experience. However, how you bring that word is, and this is kind of what you're articulating, how you bring that word, I think, is incredibly important and shows a pastoral wisdom. If you're preaching Ephesians 6 and you have a two-year-old and a wife who's pregnant and you've been married four or five years, um, it's a really good thing. By the way, there's something that is always good to come out of our mouth when we're pastoring people. It doesn't matter if we're preaching to the whole group or whether you're talking one-on-one to somebody. So I want to acknowledge, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. I want to acknowledge I haven't been through what what suffering mm-hmm. you're in now. Like those words being on your lips regularly are incredibly important and useful because it disarms people potentially. It's a way to disarm people from that you're about to tell them how this is going to be and you haven't experienced it. But the yeah. acknowledgement of, you know, I don't know what it's like. To, I, I said this I, I said this to somebody this past week that is going through unique suffering I've never in, endured right. before. And I've pastored people through it, but, right. but I've never personally endured it. Right. For me, and I looked at them and said, you know what? I, I don't know what it's like to suffer like you are, and I'm sorry. Just acknowledging that, mm-hmm. it's amazing what that does to people. So, you're, so on one end, what we're saying is so true. The Word is the authority. The Word is what people need from God that we minister. And at the same time, whatever humble posture we bring it is essentially important as well. I agree. So, Brian, let's also talk about the fact that you you're going to get older. So here's the shock, right, guys? So th- what? this 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 is going to transition or pivot yeah. uh, as you get older, so that you're going to find it's it's your. So I'm going to start using grandpa illustrations. Whereas <laughs> when I started, it was I had to, I, I I had a newborn. So yeah, that's right. I, I've gone from having a newborn now to a newborn grandbaby. You know, I've been here long enough. So. So let's shift. You're, let's you're turn to that because now it's like, well, now the question is, well, how, can a guy who's old and decrepit minister to the younger generation? Can he minister and pastor teens? Can he minister and pastor uh, kids when he is? 
I used to be able to say, because right, I used to, I, I did a lot of youth ministry in my first 10 years, 10, 15 years of ministry. And there was always that time when I, could, when I would say things like, it wasn't that long ago, you know, young yeah. people, teenagers. Now, it wasn't that long ago, I was right. With, I know what it was and like. now yeah. it's like, it was a really long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, who was president when I went through yeah, that? Yeah, uh, Jimmy Carter was was the president, uh, literally. Uh, Jimmy Carter was the like, president who? when I started go- when I was in church. Uh, when I started going to church, Jimmy Carter became president. Uh, so yes, I went from Gerald uh, Gerald Ford was president when I first started going to church, and then Jimmy Carter became the president. Mm. You know, so that that kind of a thing, whatever yeah, it right. is. You know, it's you know you you that's not quite. It was actually it was Jimmy Carter. Um, so you 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 get into that, and and now it's like. You know, I, I tell the little kids that sometimes. They, like a kid says, "I'm six. I was like, "Oh, you know, when I was six, somebody walked on the moon for the first time." <laughs> right. Uh, so you you you're going to transition. Out, you're you're no longer going to be that younger guy. And I, I was never hip or cool or anything, but you, but younger people are like, "Oh, he's my age." There is something to that sometimes that does. And draw. ministry happens in that. I, I agree. But again, Paul's exhortation ties effectiveness in ministry into, I think, three main categories. And he does this with Titus, too. Hmm. When he says, don't let anybody you know, you, that preach with authority, let no one despise you. Right. He says that. Yeah. These things into teach two. and That's exhort. Right. And what he ties into there is, it is a competence and accuracy of exegesis and ministry. If you're a competent, accurate preacher and teacher of the word, Secondly, into that, and I'm not going necessarily saying in order, but these are the three three things: is integrity. Mm-hmm. You have to be a man of integrity. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to have an effective ministry, it doesn't matter how accurate your exegesis is if you're not a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to want to hear what you have to say if you're a hypocrite. That's a good point. And then the third thing is your affection and love and service to the people. Right. And 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 listen, if if you're a loving guy but a sloppy exegete, people will like you but not benefit from you. Yeah. If you're a man of integrity, they'll respect you but they won't love you. Yeah. If you know, and, and it's those three, three things, of those things yeah. tied together that allows somebody to enter into the life of somebody because you're bearing not the cultural and the temporal, but the eternal. Yeah. And when the Spirit of God brings that word through accurately and with the fear of God to somebody's conscience, whether they're 15 or 80, but they trust you and they know you love them, they'll be able to benefit from your ministry. That is a great word. And I, I those three things together make a lot of, of sense. And you make a great point in that it really isn't about how much you can necessarily relate to people in your experiences, although that is helpful. But the things you just listed really is where where it comes down to the effectiveness of ministry. And as we're talking about an older pastor trying to relate maybe to younger, it's I appreciate you bringing that up because it is that side. It's not just the younger side, though. This is where this often gets asked. The older side, the, the pastor who you would think because he's older and he has all this experience and all this knowledge, all this wisdom, that he would be able to, it would be a different situation. But you're right, the younger people in the church a lot of times uh, disregard, potentially disregard the older pastor because he's older and he's beyond his time and can't relate to what they're going through. I'm middle-aged, but my kids are going through things 
with the reality of of the internet and social media and iPhones and things that I didn't even have growing up, and I know you didn't have, you know, growing up, right? Because you're older than me. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. So it's it's like to it's easy, I think, for younger folks to disregard the the older, and so older pastors have a challenge with this in a way that I don't I don't think we we realize as much, and so the spirit of this question affects. Uh, an older pastor in the same way like that, that you're talking about. But what those three areas you mentioned are gold because that applies to a younger pastor, to older folks. It applies to an older pastor, to younger folks. It applies to people who are coming from different socioeconomic backgrounds and cultures and all those things. And then I think the, the other element, Brian, that we could deal with is, is ministering to women because Paul addresses that issue as well, younger yeah. women and older women. And younger women as, as sisters, older women as mothers. Mm-hmm. And again, I think he's dealing with that potential intimidation factor. How do I deal with the opposite sex? How do I deal with older people? How do I deal with younger people? And, and, and there's different instruction given, but I think that those main points hold through uh, for all of them. That, that whole issue of integrity and affection, because sister and mother show bo- both of those elements. It's integrity, respect. Uh, and and affection because mm-hmm. he doesn't just say treat them like nuns or treat them you know purely right uh, he so it's not just saying like don't sexualize them he's not, he's saying more than that by using that relational language of which is the family language of of love and respect yeah. uh, that also then obviously deals with the purity issue too but mm-hmm. but I think that that. We just have to be because as young, younger pastors, especially, we're gonna. There can be that degree of fear of how can I do this, and then even as you get older, and maybe this is something, Brian, we can talk about in a future podcast because I I brought this up with a, a pastor just the other day. Sometimes when you get older, you begin to feel like you've lost your use. Your you you're not haven't just lost your youthfulness, but your usefulness, usefulness yeah. and you begin to think nobody wants to hear what an old man has to say. Yeah, and that's really the, a lot of the message of society is that nobody wants to hear what an old man has to say. Mm. And, and if you imbibe that, then you're going to rob a younger generation of the benefit of older people in the church. It's good uh, from pastor on down. And on that, I'll, my final word on this is some of the great greatest joys as I look back in my pastoral ministry is caring for not just people older than me, but like significantly older, you know, elder, I mean, people in their eighties and nineties when I'm like 30. Right. And I remember dealing with the fact of, wow, like I'm old enough to be their, I'm young enough to be their grandkid. And yet they're somehow supposed to look at me as their, as their pastor. But I, I experienced what you articulated in that, in that you, you love them, you earn their respect you don't go in, into necessarily as a way to you go in as a learner with them as mm-hmm. much as they may learn from you, and that is those are some of the sweetest relationships you know decades later uh, that I got to experience, and I've watched pastors miss the opportunity to love those people and benefit in those ways because they're intimidated by this conversation. Like I can't, I don't have anything to offer them, so you know I'll you know I'll go visit them and maybe and pray for them or send other people to right. them. I'll send the deacons to them because they know them. So pastors, especially if you're young, take advantage of going to the people, seek out the people who aren't in the same season as you, and go in as a learner as much as something you may be able to offer and, and help them in, in loving and, and caring for them. So, Jim, will you, will you pray uh, for – let's pray not just for younger pastors in this, which is typically what is this conversation is around – 
but the older and and the the challenges around caring for those in different seasons of them as well. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would so bless our churches of of everyone listening to this that that there would be uh, this uh, age range in our churches. Father, we pray for some that that so desperately need to have older people in their congregation. And then there are others who feel overwhelmed with having older people in the congregation. They feel so inadequate to deal with them. And we, Father, pray that you would grant them uh, the the confidence in, in giving your word and in building bridges of sitting and learning and bringing the word to bear, praying with uh, older folk in the church, Father, that there may be a bond of, of love and unity and affection of mutual benefit and growth in these places. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.